4: Time we're ever
3: excited about sex. From now on it's first, okay? All I want to do is I can eat! I want to eat. I want to eat. I want, you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show
0: me! Did it again!
5: Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Valls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer?
6: <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on?
5: Hey, Shane, we got a lot going on, so let's just jump right into it. But before we go around the leak, Shane, found a, one of the best Mike Leach clips we've seen yet, and it's SEC-related. So this is all things encompassing for that SEC podcast. Let's jump to Mike Leach, of course, Washington State head coach, talking about the worst locker rooms he's ever seen
0: what's the worst visitors locker room you've ever been to mississippi state before the game as we're coming in i did a whole walk through uh, my heart swelled with pride because i knew that there may never be a better visitors locker room than this one every wall was concrete the floor was concrete the ceiling was concrete everything was concrete there was no furniture There was no benches, there was no lockers. However, on the wall, there were, and I counted them, there were 37 nails. In the middle of the locker room, there are two toilets right beside each other. And there's no seats on the toilets either. And then between the two toilets is one roll of toilet paper between the two of them. The ultimate uh, touch of
5: brilliance All right, Shane. I mean, I mean,
6: this guy's just a classic, isn't he? I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Wasn't there another coach that painted their visiting locker room pink?
5: Yeah, I think that was Uh, Iowa or something back in the day. Oh, was it
6: Iowa? I just think that's awesome too. You know, I didn't know Mississippi State was so bad, man. I thought we would have heard something more before this, but Coach Leach—he never. Maybe he he may have been exaggerating a little bit, Mike. Maybe Mm -hmm. exaggerating a little bit, but I thought this was awesome.
5: Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't that long ago, just uh, I'd say a month ago, Mississippi State, you know, made some promo videos and and photos and whatnot of their new locker room. And I just came to realize, you know, they didn't provide anything of the visitor locker room. No, they didn't. (laughs)
6: So (laughs) where's that hot video, Mike?
5: All right, Shane, before we go around the league, I just wanted to give this uh, this guy some credit because I thought this was a really interesting stat that uh, I did not realize. Maybe people know this, but this kind of threw me for a loop when I read it here. Uh, but this comes via Ryan McChrystal, and he's at Ryan underscore McChrystal. He points out that if Alabama wins the SEC this year with Tua Tungavaloa as quarterback, Tua will be the first quarterback with back to back SEC titles since florida's danny warfel back in 1996 i believe so i mean that's a hell of a run there i mean
6: isn't that that's a pretty wild stat isn't it hell that's an awesome stat mike you know i i didn't know that um so the last one to do this was warfel right
5: yeah and that was a hell of a long time ago yeah i would think aj mccarron i guess he never accomplished it aaron murray i know tennessee won back-to-back sec titles but of course that was peyton manning and t martin so it was not the same quarterback yeah. and of course we're talking starting quarterbacks. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a backup out there that's got two in a row. But um, I just, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of an interesting stat. That uh, as much as SEC nerds as we are, uh, that was totally something I was unaware of. Yeah, that's a crazy stat, man. All right, Shane. Speaking of getting crazy, you ready to go around the league? Let's
0: do it. Now let's
7: go, now around, let's go around the league. Around the league. Uh, around the league.
0: We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it.
2: No, I mean I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. I'll play. I mean, it's just like right. I mean, you just hear it over and over, and you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just uh, get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? right? This
8: game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, I man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to
0: work.
5: All right, Shane, starting the big news here on the Plains. War damn eagle. First reported by me. Not really, but I said it on this podcast. (laughs) I've been saying it for, seems like, two weeks now. Bo Nix named the starter there at Auburn. It was first officially reported by Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports. But no surprise to listeners of this show, Bo Nix, starting quarterback here at Auburn, they're turning it over to the freshmen. Uh, Thoughts on Bo Nix winning this starting
6: job, Shane? Dude. I am. I, I tell you what, you nailed this. I didn't see it coming when the backup came in, got all that playing time, but you called it and you're right. And I'm honestly surprised. I'm not, I, I, I would say I'm more surprised that Gus named a starter at this moment, probably before any of the other coaches, mm-hmm. than I am the fact that Bo is the starting quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Right. So this is awesome. So they don't have to worry about it, man. They don't have to worry about it all week. they got to get asked this question a million times.
5: Now, Gus Malzon was also asked about Joey Gatewood. What's his status? What's his role? Uh, he would not comment on that. So that tells me, I guess I'm somewhat of a Gus whisper at this point, Shane. <laughs> Joey Gatewood is still going to play in the opener. They'd be foolish not to play him. You know, I don't think it's going to be 50-50. I don't think it's going to be 60-40. But I think there's going to be certain situations where they're going to throw Joey Gatewood out there. And hell, if he, if he just looks, you know, I don't think he's going to look overmatched. But I think he's uh, he's going to be an intimidating force running the ball. So I think Gus Malzahn's smart enough to get him into the game, particularly with this, you know, this Oregon game meaning so much to their season. Uh, I would not be surprised if he gets... I don't really want to put a number on it because I have no idea, but I just I just think they'll find packages. I guess I should say for Joey Gatewood for this season opener against Oregon. What do you think about that?
6: Yeah, I I think you're right. You you don't think there'll be like a series or anything. You think it's just going to be like one or two plays. He's going to come in uh, to kind of give that dual threat feel. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or maybe you know near the goal line, maybe on a
5: third and one, fourth and one, something. Just use him as a battering ram, or hell, they may. I mean, they may they've been having a long time to think about this. There could, I could see a possibility you'd throw them both out there and uh, you just don't know, you know, until they line up, who's going to be the actual quarterback. I think that, that could potentially throw Oregon for a loop too. And then, uh, but I mean, I'm just, that's just pure speculation for that part.
6: Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the guy's a true freshman. I mean, and we've got a lot of ball games coming up and honestly, there's a lot of them right here at the start of the season. So I'm not willing to close the door, on Joey, I still think he has a possibility to get some playing time, mm-hmm. but I just I hope that they actually give Bo a chance, let him get through those growing pains. Because if they yank him and mess with his psyche right here at the start of the season, uh, it could it could get ugly down there. Now, how about this, Shane? This is kind of interesting. We usually
5: cut to the coaches, but let's uh, Auburn brought Bo Nix out here to speak to the media. So I just want to cut to Bo Nix real quick, and then uh, we'll get back to what he had to say.
7: Um, it, it was just a, a an awesome moment, and um, you honestly couldn't write it any better. Did you call your dad, by the way? Yes, sir, I've what talked uh, to him. He, he was just proud of me, and I uh, couldn't talk to him long because I uh, had some business to take care of as far as practice and stuff. Um, but, um, yes, sir, I did tell him, and um, he was very excited. What
3: was he said about the, everything that comes with the platform?
7: Right, well, growing up, I mean, whether you play at Auburn or anywhere – um, growing up, he was just, he taught me how um, never let the moment get too big. Um, you're prepared for any, any moment you step into, um, you'll only get better and better. So, um, he just did a really good job of allowing me to be myself. And he um, reminded me of uh, the strengths that I had and how to use those strengths and things like that. But overall, he was just, he was always there for me. He always pushed me to be a better player. And um, he's really helped me get to where I am today
0: how similar
7: is this offense that you've been at to what you ran at Pennsylvania? It's, it's really similar. Obviously, the verbiage and stuff is different. Um, but a while back, my dad kind of looked at Coach Malzon's offense, and he started, um, because it was so successful in 2013 and so forth, um, he started um, kind of taking some plays from it, just like every other um, offense did uh, from the spread. And most of the time, um, each offense, they the, if you're a spread offense, you run similar things. Uh, You may tweak it just a little bit differently, but the overall concept is um, most of the time the same.
5: All right, Shane. So you hear it there. And let me tell you, Shane, this is pretty interesting. I saw this stat. I had no idea this either. Do you have any idea who holds the record at Auburn for the
6: most passing yards in a season opener? Mark, just because I'm a good gambler and guesser, I'm going to say his dad. (laughs) <laughs> you
5: were right on the money, Shane. Yes, <laughs> Patrick Nix. I think it's. I think the number is like 370 yards in a season opener, and now his son has a chance to break that record. Certainly, don't suggest he's going to do that in this first game ever. But I. I that just goes to show how much uh, being an Auburn quarterbacks in this kid's blood, and you know this is something I saw a long time coming. So I don't know. I just thought Auburn fans would appreciate uh,
6: hearing that from Bo Nix. This is a cool story, man. I hope this thing works out for him. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to College Station.
3: Giga Aggies.
5: Old Jimbo was asked about the Aggies' AP poll ranking. Shane, they've dropped the spot. If you want to go from the coaches' (laughs) poll. As (laughs) As <laughs> meaningless as that may sound, uh, Jimbo Fisher was asked about that. I thought this was a pretty great answer. He talks about that, and then he talks about just the fact that uh, the Aggies are ranked pretty high coming into the second season.
2: When camp started, uh, the coach out. you your number 11. At that point, he said, hey, I don't see that right now. Today, he comes out You're number 12 in AP. What do you see now? Can
4: see, you- we dropped. See, I told you. <laughs> I told you we already dropped. <laughs> no, I mean... You know it's funny. I bet if you went around the country and asked that question, I bet nobody'd see it. Not even who's number one, number two, number three. I've been there too and say, "What the heck are they looking at?" You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I see. I can see that team. We're not that team yet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe we're better. I mean, I really do. I mean, I think we have good enough players. It's just a matter of how we execute and get all the details and understand each and identify the roles for the guys and make sure, as I say. The more we play with consistency, the more I'll visualize that because it's like as a coach, you know who to put in what role. And if they do something one day and or two days, you go, boy, here we go. And all of a sudden that third day they go, where did that come from? You go, you start to trust in something you don't. And I think that's with you sometimes. And so the more we develop consistency, maybe the more I'll see that. But, you know, we, we can have a great year when we can. How's
2: it come out of the scrimmage health-wise? And going back to the poll, what are your overall thoughts on preseason polls? I know some people
4: like them, some people don't. Well, I mean, you got to start somewhere. I mean, like I say, I'd rather start up high than I would down low. (laughs) I mean, somebody thinks something good of you, though. But at at the end of the day, it doesn't prove anything. It's just that, you know, people do think that you have potential to be a good team. And hopefully it does motivate, not motivate, but let's guys know that people do think highly of you, and people always like that. But now, at the end of the day, it gets back to what do I think of myself and how are we going to play? So, it is what it is.
5: All right, Shane, I just thought this was a pretty comical answer here from Jimbo. I mean, it is it is what it is. You know, that's kind of what he's going with. But uh, remember Jimbo Fisher two, three weeks ago. I mean, he just sounded madder than a Hornet just to be there. And now he's now he's cutting up laughing. He's got all these freshmen in the lineup. He doesn't seem to be
6: – he seems to be pretty uh, at ease heading into the season, doesn't he? Yeah, they must be in the 90s now, Mike, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see him tweeting anything out about this poll situation, so uh, he's right, man. You know these these polls. I, I I think they're a good, you know, something a good start to season with. But you you know, I really don't try to pay attention to polls till we get toward the end of the season when they really do matter. Right.
5: Yeah. I mean, they're kind of like he said, they're they don't really count for much. But you'd rather be ranked high than not, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's true. Unless. I, I'm trying not to pile on the Gators here, but unless your damn players are identifying in the <laughs> spot and where they need to be. At, aside from that, I, I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, good boy. All right, sticking with the Aggies, Shane. I thought this was one thing. You know, we've not hit a lot on it here in training camp, but the Aggies replacing a lot of guys in their front seven, and one guy on the defensive line, interior defensive lineman, Bobby Brown. That's someone that's caught – uh, Jimbo Fisher's eye in training camp and you may recall Shane this is a guy they got over Alabama I think I could be mistaken but it was either either Bobby Brown picked them over Alabama uh, leading up to signing day or they flipped him I, th- I really think they flipped him from Alabama right before signing day so that should tell you the caliber of athlete Bobby Brown is and uh, Jimbo Fisher is already seeing that from his young defensive lineman here.
4: How's Bobby Brown continue to develop? And what do you think about your chance to have a really good middle pass? I think we can, and I think that's I think that's become more important in football today than it's ever been. Because you're seeing shorter guys play, more athletic guys play, and those guys that rush up the field so much and create those seams, Well that's we know big guys you can do that. Well now you see ends like in a lot of those guys will set the edges and then you take that pocket and you go set it on their lap. You know what I mean, or or try to create you know, twists and games in there. So, the, the, that's what I've seen in football. The inside rush is becoming so much more important now than it was years ago, in my opinion. And I think that's why guards are going higher in the draft. You're having to get those bigger guards to set the interior. If you remember, guards and centers used to never go; was always tackles. Now you're starting to see some of those guys because being able to get guys of size and athleticism to set that inside down for quarterbacks to be able to play is becoming big so them them having a big rush is going to be huge and i think they can
5: all right shane so he hits on uh, just how important you know the pass rushing ability has become of these interior linemen we see it all over uh the nfl we're seeing it more in college football now these game breakers like a quinn and williams from the inside i mean they just they wreck game plans if they're if they're good enough And Mm -hmm. certainly not comparing Bobby Brown to that just yet, but, you know, if they have an emerging weapon on the interior that Mike Elko's defense, I mean, we might be
6: underrating the Aggies defense a little bit heading into the season. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you think about, like, when I grew up, it was all about defensive ends and tackles, offensive tackles. That was the battle of the linemen, you know what I'm saying? And now... You got people; these interior linemen that are running four nine forties, four eight forties, that are just as fast as some of these defensive ends and linebackers, and uh, they're able to get to the quarterback. So, to to counteract that, you've got to have some freaking awesome interior linemen. And that's and he hit the nail on the head. We're seeing uh, a lot of guards, especially going in the first second rounds now.
5: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Chad Morris met with the media here on Tuesday. And, uh-oh,
6: Shane, we got us a, a little quarterback update. <laughs> what quarterbacks took reps with the ones today?
1: Uh, Nick took all the ones today. Um, and I thought there was some, some good things. We did some situations right here at the end. Uh, we had the ball on the plus 39 and um, thought there was some good things that happened out of that from an offensive standpoint. now
0: uh, our our – do you feel like it's pretty balanced right now in terms of the quarterback's knowledge of the offense? Because Hicks does have so much more experience, and Starkle, I guess, I think a lot of the sentiment is maybe he's playing catch-up a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, I've been very pleased and impressed with the way Nick has grasped the offense since coming in here in January, in uh, uh, June. Um, I thought that may be, be part of, of a, uh, uh, you know, some of the, may keep him back a little bit, but he's done a really good job of grasping. He's extremely intelligent. Uh, you would expect both of them to be. I mean, they're they're both college grads, um, and so now I think that they've he's progressed really well. I think some things at times that you know there is some you know Ben being in the offense for a little bit longer at times there's some times that it really shows. Um, but man, I've been I've been pleased with the way Nick has progressed and and um, and working that.
6: What's Jerry Jones' grandson
1: doing today, Mike?
5: You know? <laughs> oh man, I I don't know, Shade. I I called Bo Nix. I've called Nick Starkle. If I if I go two for two here, I'm I feel like I'm I'm pretty good. I should have probably should have bet on some of these. If I but how about this this kind of a late revelation here in camp? I think everyone, uh, even you know everyone I spoke to in Arkansas heading into this thing, Ben Hicks, Ben Hicks, Ben Hicks, and I mm-hmm. said you need to watch this kid Nick Starkle. Watching these two players, I don't even think it's. I don't even think it should be that close, and uh, certainly Chad Morris not willing to play his hand. But given all the reps to Nick Starkle well, I mean, I think that says more than words ever could.
6: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I called Willis in the in preseason, and I called <laughs> <laughs> I called KJ all summer long, baby. So uh, yeah, I, I think I'm back on track, Mike.
5: <laughs> now, how about this show? So shade this. So this was from a different. Before meeting with the media, Chad Morris was at the Little Rock Quarterback Club, though. And this is uh, the audio's not great. This is the best we can find here. So I'll try to bump it up here. But uh, Chad Morris on his quarterback play,
1: this has got me concerned here, Shane. I think it could be changed. I mean, you know, we want to give a guy that gets out there and let him go. But uh, he also has to perform and get the ball in the end zone. And. You know, we get out there and, and things aren't going like it needs to go. And, um, and then we, you know, you don't sign a lifetime contract. Doesn't happen.
5: All right, Shane. So <laughs> I, I may have picked Nick Starkle, but it sounds like by by the second series of the game, his ass could be on the bench based on these comments.
6: Oh, based off what we saw last year, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Coach Moore's got a short leash on these boys. So I hope he gives Starkle a better shot. I mean, Portland State, I mean, honestly how can he mess that up let him stay in there get him some games experience and reps with the ones so uh i know i think they'll be all right i just hope they stick with him you know yeah i think that's what you need to do because
5: we all know starkle played at a&m but he got hurt so he's while he's experienced he's never even been the full-time starter for a full year so this is this would be a different situation if and when he's named quarterback here at Arkansas. I mean, he's he wouldn't be like a first year starter, but it's not like he's truly that experienced either. I think he's only got about a handful of starts under his belt. So mm-hmm. I think I think it'd be really important if he is their guy to stick with him, like you're saying. Uh, maybe if he struggles a little bit, you know, you know, maybe you turn it over to Ben Hicks. But I I don't know. I think no. if he's your guy, he's your guy.
6: Yeah, I don't think you go from him to Ben Hicks. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, if he, if they're going to go from anyone, I think it's going to be uh, KJ. You know what I'm saying? Uh, ben Hicks is out. You know, he's he had his opportunity to start the season. I could have seen it going Hicks to Starkle, but I do not see it going Starkle to Hicks because now you're just talking about a hindrance to of the offense because Hicks is not mobile. I mean, he's not as mobile as the other guys.
5: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Nashville. Take it down. Where old Derek Mason, he gave us the latest on his quarterback competition, Shane. And while some of these teams are ready to name a starter, that ain't coming for old Derek Mason.
2: I know you haven't announced your quarterback, obviously, but have you decided if you're actually going to publicly say you're going you're gonna to take this up to kickoff and leave it in, in the team? We're
8: going to take it up to kickoff. Like, here's the deal, man. These guys have done a, a great job. You mean, both of these guys have done a great job. I mean, we're getting closer to understanding man, exactly where we need to go. I'll make a decision here in the next couple of days, and then we'll figure it out, uh, you know, like from there. But I'm not going to, uh, you know, man, declare who a quarterback is until we get ready to play. Both of these guys, men have earned that, okay, man, and that's respectful or, or, or trying to be respectful of what these guys have done on the field. What are you
3: looking for between those two guys that will really separate the starter from the backup?
8: Man, it, it's it's about being able to handle the moments. You know, man, football is not just. You know, I man, a game of being able to get in the huddle and lead the huddle, man, it's about managing the game. It's about making sure, man, you can get us in the right play. Okay, like do you have enough poise to lead us, okay, man, in critical situations? Okay, man, can you can you make the right throw, get us in the right protection, okay, man, and get us first downs and put the ball in the end zone. That's what I'm looking for. Coach, what sets
2: those two guys apart right
8: now? Right now, like I said, man, I mean, they're right, they're they're right neck and neck. I mean, you, you you want me to tell you who's the starter. And really at the end of the day, I'm not telling you that. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you tell you, if both these guys are working, let's
5: let's continue to work. All right, Shane. So, like, kind of like I said on the last podcast, I think it would uh, benefit Vanderbilt run this thing up to the Georgia game. That's exactly what they're going to do, according to Coach Mason. And he even got a little testy here when they seemed like they were trying to. <laughs> Which way you leaning, Coach? And he was not ready
6: to go down that road at all, was he? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. So I thought, you know, Mike, golly, you're like three and now. So let me ask you: out of these quarterbacks, since hmm. you're uh, apparently the quarterback whisperer here. Who's going to be the start? Okay, who's going to be your starting quarterback for Vanderbilt against Georgia? Mm-hmm.
5: Now here's uh, this is going to surprise some people, Shane. I've changed my mind on this one. I'm going with Deuce Wallace. Yes, I think he's a little bit more experienced in the system and understands it a little bit better. I don't think he has as high a ceiling as Riley Neal. I think Riley Neal will take over the job at some point. But opening against Georgia and everything they've got, I just don't know if you can throw a guy out there that maybe does not fully grasp the system, the offensive system. And just based on all the comments and things I'm hearing out of Nashville, it sounds like that's kind of where he's lacking as opposed to Deuce Wallace.
6: Absolutely. And with a quarterback named Deuce, you know, that's just more <laughs> ammunition for the Twitters. <laughs> so uh, I'll probably be wrong, but that's the one I was hoping would get it.
5: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina. They already know who their starter is, Shane, but the Gamecocks named the backup quarterback. And it's none other than true freshman Ryan Holinski, nation's number two pro-style quarterback prospect in the 2019 recruiting class, came all the way from Southern California, said no to the likes of uh, USC, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU to be a Gamecock. And he wanted out to carry on Joiner. You know, he's a he's a touted guy as well. I thought he looked better in the spring game. But obviously that was Helensky's first spring in Columbia. And it just sounds like uh, he's really taking control of this backup job. Thoughts on Helinski getting the second string job, Shane, where I think, you know, certainly don't think Jake Bentley's job is in jeopardy, but I think a lot of South Carolina fans are really eager to see Ryan Helinski take over sooner rather than later.
6: I think South Carolina fans are excited about Bentley, but they are, if they tell you they're not a little worried, they're lying to you, Mike. And all it's going to take is one bad game. And who who does uh, South Carolina have week two? I can't remember. The Gamecocks got Charleston Southern
5: week two, Shane, before that okay. big one against Alabama week three.
6: That's what I'm saying. So week two is when you're going to be at the high with Bentley. I think you're going to feel good about your quarterback situation, but then Alabama comes to town. And you've been on record saying that they have a shot to win that game. Mm-hmm. And if they do, that's awesome for them. But if they don't and they lose and it's close, I think that's fine too. But if they lose big and Bentley looks like garbage, mm-hmm. dude, you talk about the Holinsky thing firing up <laughs> immediately. You know, the pressure is going to be 10 minutes of Bentley – uh on the field and it's going to be 20 minutes of well you know do you think he's going to get some playing time you know <laughs> <laughs> i just feel it man you know and it just sucks because week three is a, is a pivotal situation those first two you're going to be fine but week three that's when uh people are going to move to the edge of your seat
5: mm-hmm. now unfortunately for the gamecocks there's not a ton of games here to get helinski some reps outside of that charleston southern game so It'll be interesting to see how much play he gets in that one. And, you know, to hit on this point, what about this, Shane? Now, I know it's way too early to look ahead to 2020, but Mm -hmm. wouldn't you rather have a guy with maybe three or four starts? Maybe he's really starting to pick things up towards the tail end. I think that gives you a ton of confidence in his ability going into 2020, as opposed to if you lose – you know, if you're losing five, six games, and you're just riding it out with Jake Bentley, and then you go into the offseason like, all right, can the, is it will this Helinski live up to the hype or not? I mean, that that mm-hmm. those are
6: way way two different scenarios. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. I let me ask you too on Joiner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's gone, and honestly, I think there's a couple teams in the SEC that would love to have him on their roster.
5: Well, it's interesting you say that, Shane, because Brian McIlwain talked about the decision to name Helensky number two, uh, the future of Joyner, who Will Muschamp – I thought this was a, this was really a good idea, Shane, because we've seen some of these – when these guys lose these competitions, you know, they kind of – you know, like Tate Martell kind of went wall there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Muschamp gave Joyner the day off just, just to, you know – process it and then he came back ready to work the next day uh, according to everyone down there so uh, let's jump to Brian McIlwain talking about Joiner. what's next for him I thought this was pretty interesting and then also on Hildensky
7: practice today and, and how did he kind of react to- yeah
9: the carry-on was here um, and obviously you want to make sure that you when you, when you approach not just him with anybody with that news, that, that they do a good job of digesting it, understanding it. Um, it has to be clearly communicated, and I think we did a good job of that. Um, and then you want to make sure that, that that especially a guy in his position um, wants to make sure that you take on any, other, any type of other role that he might take, whether that be backing up, third string, something else. And then, um, and then, because you, you want guys that want to do it. I mean, regardless of what skill set might be, or what the what the situation or the position might be, you want guys that want to embrace that. And um, and so right now, I mean, you know, he wants to be here, and he's working hard. And and, and like I said, nothing's final, but he's working hard to, to, to do and, and and be a good job. I mean, do a good job for us at whatever we ask him to do. Has
3: did he indicated other spot today?
9: Um, no, I mean we we try. I mean, like I said, I mean there's there's different scenarios where 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 we could use them um, for sure. But the bottom line is, you want to make sure that like I, like I said earlier, that your best guys are out there. So if his, if if he's one of the best guys, we're gonna make sure he's out there in some way, shape, or form. As Why he
2: indicated to? to you you that he's willing to change
3: positions oh uh, yeah I think he he,
9: he, he, he's, he he's indicated that he just wants to help the team in whatever way okay. and so I mean that was the, that, that's where the conversation was um and then like I said man you know where wherever that role takes him I think that's that's something that we got to make sure that we're that we're
2: exploring and discussing is what it realistic he could help this team this year at a separate position there's no question
3: Question. What made you want to make the decision now? I guess was it just because prep's starting on Thursday? Yeah, I mean,
9: yeah, I mean, you're 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 this far out from the game, um, mm-hmm. and so I mean, right now, I mean, we, you know, everything we kind of leave training camp mindset behind today, mm-hmm. and then once we get back together, then we, we got to make sure that we're game planning and getting stuff ready for the games.
2: What did Ryan kind of show you to sort of earn
9: that number two spot? Um, like I said there, there was a multitude of things I, I can't get into kind of every little detail uh, but Ryan's working hard and he's doing a good job of what we're asking him to do and like I said I mean there's still a lot of room that, that needs to that he needs to grow just like every other body like everybody else at, at their at their respective positions so um, but he's done a good job of, of, of asking of, of what he's been asked to do handling the situations that he's been put in and right now he he's, he's worked hard and, and he's earned that spot.
5: All right, Shane, so Joyner has been adamant his entire career. He wants to stick at quarterback, but this is the first time I've heard him with a willingness to potentially change a position. What are your thoughts on him? Maybe he, I don't think, I don't know, based on this, I don't think he's going to leave. Of course, you know, that could change at any moment. You just never know with this NCAA transfer portal and, You know, once you go in it, teams can contact you. Maybe there is an attractive option out there for him. I don't know. But uh, if he stays and plays another position, I think uh, that may be in his best interest if Helinski is
6: living up to the hype. Yeah, if if he really thinks he's got potential. But, you know, they're loaded at that position as well. So I I don't think that he's going to get a lot of playing time there. So I think – honestly, we're going to see his name in the portal sooner than later. And, you know, this kid wants to be wanted. He wants to play and he wants to be a quarterback. He's been a quarterback, you know, the last few years. I don't know what he did in high school. You know, some of these guys didn't play quarterback till the end, but I'm assuming he, he's been a quarterback his whole life. Why would he want to switch just because somebody on the team is slightly better? It's kind of like, He's sitting on a team right now where he sees Feaster that just rolled in, mm-hmm. a running back from Clemson that got beat out. So maybe in his mind, he's thinking the same thing, like, okay, I, I, I got beat out. But there's other opportunities for me out there to showcase what I can do uh, as a quarterback.
5: Yeah, and for anyone that doesn't know about Joiner, like Shane was saying there, he was a record-setting quarterback in South Carolina. So, I mean, he was prolific, but – I have heard it out there if he switched to, a lot of people say defensive back. I've heard Mm -hmm. receiver. Uh, I've heard Tom Lugenbill of ESPN says he's got a future in the NFL if he switches to defensive back. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. this is an incredible athlete. But maybe, like you said, there's been plenty of guys that have been told they can't play quarterback and then, you know, at their first stop go somewhere Mm -hmm. else and, and do it extremely well. So, I, know. Look, <laughs> I, I, I hope he stays at South Carolina and, and finds a role for the team this year, but we'll just I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that
6: one. That's right. Dak Prescott should be a tight end right now, Mike. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Lexington.
5: Where Mark Stoops updated us on Kentucky. And the two things here stood out to me in his latest media availability, Shane. Lynn Bowden, the receiver, their best receiver. He's currently their number three quarterback with uh, Nick Scalzo going down, and then he also had comments here on his secondary that we know, of course, replacing every starter, and they've suffered some injuries uh, this off season. So I don't know. It's a very inexperienced
3: unit. Good shape. Lynn Bowden, uh, QB three? Hmm. Uh, maybe. You guys probably saw him out there taking a few snaps today at quarterback, and he could do a lot of things. So. Uh, we'll continue to fool around from there. Mark, how do you feel about your secondary right now? Um, inconsistent. You know, not as consistent as I'd like to be. Um, you know, sometimes guys don't know what they don't know. You know, and they just uh, um, and we're trying to head that off as much as possible. Generally, you know, we all learn from mistakes and uh, trying to get them to head those mistakes off before they happen and and, uh, at times I'm seeing you know them really over communicate and play with a great sense of urgency and then other times I'm seeing a little bit of a lapse in that so all
5: right Shane so it's kind of what you expect I guess from a new secondary you know you're making mistakes here or there but you know you can afford to put players out on the field that are going to make a mistake in the front seven you do that in the back seven the other team's in the end zone so uh what are your thoughts on mark stoops and his comments here on
6: his new look secondary well first off on bowden i think he when you listen to him, it almost sound like he was surprised like who saw him you know like this may be in a super secret package they were going to use later and now the whole nation knows that bowden's going to be back at wildcat at some point this season so uh but as far as the secondary he's right man i mean it scares me when you have young pieces back there because all it takes is one mistake you know you make a mistake at uh, as a defensive lineman you've got linebackers in the secondary to clean up your mess but if you make it up if you make a mistake back there there's nobody behind you that's six points so um yeah i, I was still a little worried about about that situation but you know that hopefully if couple of games they can start jailing and and uh learning i mean we've talked a little bit about kentucky being a developmental school so i think the fundamentals they'll be safe there i think they'll, you know but we're, we're gonna see we're gonna find out soon man
5: yeah i'm just uh
6: you know not it's nothing
5: too bad what he said had to say there i just was was feeling like there were still some questions there and Hell, Shane, we're a week away from <laughs> from game time, so that's obviously not what you want to hear. Uh, stick no. Sticking with Kentucky, Shane, want to get your thoughts in particular on this. I know we don't talk a bunch of recruiting here, but I think this is – Pretty big news considering it's uh, Kentucky reaching into the state of Tennessee, beating out the Vols for a defensive lineman, Trayvon Ripka, from uh, Dixon, which is near where I live here in Nashville. And this is the second time Kentucky's beat out Tennessee for a defensive line recruit and just in this class. And we know that's a that's a big position I need for Tennessee. They beat them out for a uh, five-star lineman, Justin Rogers. Any concern there, Shane, that uh, Kentucky, I mean – I don't know that it's any negative on Tennessee. That's kind of how I read it. I read it more as these kids are buying into Kentucky. They got new facilities up there. They just won 10 games.
7: Mm-hmm. Just
5: just seems like it's kind of a new era for Kentucky. I wanted to get your thoughts on that, or if, uh, if you're freaking out a little bit here.
6: Huh, not freaking out so much, but, you know – the that's an area that's hit or miss in Nashville, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Brentwood area, things like that. You, there's always talent out there and it sometimes it feels like we miss it. You know, uh, you know I give neutral site games a hard time. If we were to do neutral site games, it would be awesome if we would do it in Nashville. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of incorporate that area into, you know, a lot of people out in Nashville don't look at the University of Tennessee as their school. They, maybe they don't have a spot. But if we can get more, I don't know, more out there, and and I'm sure Coach is doing a hell of a job recruiting out there, and I'm sure he, you know, he did everything he could to land this guy, and it's still not over. It's not like he signed Letter of Intent today. But, you know, it just feels like that's an area that we need to get more involved with because there is a lot of talent coming out of Nashville.
5: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, so we were talking about the Vols there. Let's jump on down to Rocky Top. Hey. There at Tennessee, Shane. There was a surprise on the practice field because Karat Garland, the guy that uh, right before training camp started, entered his name into the NCAA transfer portal, and Pruitt certainly did not close the door on him returning. Just said, "Man, that's that's life in the portal, man. You can you can still come back," is essentially what he said. And then here we go, three weeks later, and Garland made his first appearance on the practice field, and I think that's uh, you know. Certainly a lot of Tennessee fans were like, well, who cares? He, you know, he wasn't that, that good when he left into the portal. But since that time, I mean, Emmett Gooden's gone down. Aubrey Solomon, we have no idea his status. I, I'm certainly not suggesting that Garland's uh, an all-SEC player, but I think Tennessee could use all the depth they can get on that defensive line. And uh, I think you got to give credit to Pruitt to uh,
6: you know, not burning any bridges when this guy wanted to explore his options. Absolutely. Sometimes the hardest people to recruit are the people that are on your team, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the injuries and uh, the news is helping his cause to stick around. But here we got a guy that knows the playbook, knows the system, that's going to be able to step in. Yeah, did he miss some? Maybe he missed some practices. I don't know. But you know, like you said, it's added depth, and it's a depth at a position we need it. So I'm glad he stuck around, man. Yeah.
5: So so people, you know, the portal gets a bad reputation I guess just because it's so public but what what I really like about it and it you know I may be reading too much into this situation but I'll tell you what I think happened here is Garland probably put his name in there and then schools like FAU and FIU and all this were like hey come on down and he's like well why in the hell would I leave Tennessee for these schools <laughs> you know <laughs> so you it lets you know what what the interest is in your services and, uh, mm-hmm. and then when you when you take a cold, hard look at it yourself, would you rather go to a school like that and get developed by who knows who the coaches are down there, or would you yeah. rather stay in the SEC and get recruited by coaches that, uh, you know, he may not have a shot at the NFL, but, hell, if he does, these coaches are the ones that will get him there.
6: <laughs> not to mention facilities, man. Tennessee's got amazing facility, amazing coaches, amazing, everything. Mm-hmm. Nutritionists, you know, some of these schools that probably wanted him mm-hmm. – had none of that, you know. Probably don't have near the budget University of Tennessee has. So, um, you know, all it takes is one of these coaches that that have been at one of these smaller schools to put, you know, whisper in his ear and let him know what's out there. Okay, yeah, you're looking at this school, but let me tell you, let me remind you why you're at the University of Tennessee. It's not like this everywhere.
5: Mm-hmm. Now, the only other thing here I wanted to add about uh, Jeremy Pruitt's presser, shade, I thought this was pretty. Pretty funny. He was asked about uh, Brian Niedemeyer, who of course was named Recruiter of the Year by Twenty Four Seven Sports. Is a guy that helped uh, the Vols land players like Kawaris uh, Crouch, uh, Sean Brown, the tight end, Henry mm-hmm. uh, Toa Toa, and a few others. I mean, this, this is a big time recruiter here for Tennessee. And Pruitt was asked what makes Niedermeyer such a good recruiter, and this is uh, the most perfect uh, Jeremy Pruitt answer ever.
6: Well,
3: I, I think, number one, he's, he's young. Uh, he's not married. Uh, so what else does he have to do? It's not like he's got a wife to go home to or any kids to go home to. So what does he do? He recruits. He recruits all the time. Uh, he builds relationships uh, with, with, with the players that we're recruiting. Uh, I think he's uh, very personable. Uh, he's real. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that, that kind of stays on people, and and uh, he uses the resources that we have here, you know. So um, I think he does a good job. He's a good coach, too. Uh, a lot of people don't appreciate how good a coach that he is. He does a really good job.
5: All right, Shane, it's almost like <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt does not know that there is life outside of football. Uh, thoughts on uh, what he had to say here about
6: Coach Niedermeyer? <sighs> Makes sense why he's so active on Twitter, Mike, you know. <laughs> 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 He's hilarious too, man. If you ever, you know, we don't do a lot of clips of him because, you know, he's not like he's a coordinator or anything, but uh, dude's hilarious. He's just, he's one of those guys that when you hear him talking, you just automatically like, there's something that draws you to him. So he's a good people person. I think that helps as well.
5: Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, this will be real quick because we don't have a clip here, but uh, jump on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll time! Where, you know, we were talking up Christian Harris, the true freshman linebacker who started in the last scrimmage. Nick Saban praised him, and he was MIA in practice here, I believe, on Monday, Shane, so that caused people to freak out. And then he (laughs) did make an appearance here on Tuesday, but he's got a big old brace on his knee so it looks like good news, bad news situation where obviously he's you know he's he's able to be out there, but mm-hmm. my goodness, Shane, I mean, if he hurt himself in any way to where he's not available week one uh i have I guess they'll go to Mikael Sherman I don't know, but i mean it's this is one of the biggest question marks
6: on the roster, and for whatever reason, I mean these guys just can't stay healthy. jeez, what are they doing down there, Mike? you know. They say uh, Saban practices hard, and I don't know if that's true or not, but, damn, it just it feels like these boys are – I mean, it's every year. It's the linebackers. It's the running backs. Well, maybe if they stop hitting each other, you know, they'll be healthy when the season starts. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know, man.
5: He's just got to stay healthy. Uh, Alabama's got to get through this training. If, if they survive Nick Saban's training camp – They'll probably run through the schedule, but uh, it sounds like the most challenging thing is
6: is not the schedule. It's Nick Saban's training camp. Yeah, That's what it sounds like. I've always heard that. i always heard he practices so hard, and that's why they dominate the start of the season. But then they fizz out toward the end of the season because they're exhausted. Well, they ain't even going to make it to the season, Mike. You know, just go. You got talent. Just go sit in the locker rooms and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Just watch videos all day. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. We did it last episode
5: we're going to do it again we got some florida miami content and this time we got an even newer intro
2: (laughs) i understand the responsibility of what it is i understand the pride of what it takes to represent the university of florida the pride of what it is to have that gators helmet and put that on i'll make sure every single player that does wear that helmet that does put on that uniform understands the pride and the responsibility they have what that stands for now and what it has been built throughout the years. and The responsibility they have to carry on that tradition.
0: Gore heading for the first down.
5: All right, Shane, so ready for this? Nice. We're ready for this Miami Florida week zero game. But of course, the biggest question for me I don't know about you, Shane, but this Miami quarterback that we just never really seen, Jaron Williams, I've seen some Hurricane fans. They're fired up, Shane. I'll tell you why. Because there was some Elite 11, I think it was a regional camp, where this guy outperformed Trevor Lawrence, Shane, so he's automatically better than him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously that oh, apparently I that did happen and they're touting that up and Todd Grantham Florida's outstanding defensive coordinator was asked about Jaron Williams and you know he I think he you know I don't think there's any secret he likes to bring the blitz he kind of mentioned it here so uh, let's
3: jump to what Grantham had to say
8: freshman quarterback how do you about?
3: yeah well you know it's as far as he goes, I remember him from recruiting because he was in my area. I think he's a really talented guy that had a lot of offers to a lot of schools, and he chose Miami basically because they the need at quarterback, which is kind of filtered into what it is now. And uh, he understands where to throw the ball. He he can get rid of the ball on time. He's athletic so he can extend plays. He can run quarterback run game stuff, you know, quarterback runs because of his athletic ability. So we've got to understand that we've got to leverage the guy, contain the guy, and. Um, make sure that we just play our defense.
6: Does it change things though? I mean, you got a guy who's probably not seeing a lot of what you're throwing out in mean, the offensive lines and experience inexper- yeah.
3: too. I think we just got to execute the game plan. So if we're rushing four, rush four, rush five, rush five. Um, if we decide to bring more than that, then we bring more than that, we got to cover. So I think it's just a matter of understanding the game plan, understand the situations, and really guys just executing the calls.
5: All right, Shane, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, he very familiar with Jaron Williams through the recruiting process. Hell, he even knew why he committed to Miami. Seemed uh, I don't think he was throwing shade at Miami, but you could read it that way. You know, Hell, he went down there because he knew he'd play. But uh, that was interesting, and he kind of, like I said, let it be known that uh, they're going to be bringing some pressure on him. Uh, thoughts on uh, what Grantham had to say about Miami's
6: first-year starter? I'm going to call it shade, Mike. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he didn't come up here cause there's no way he'd start, you know, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it's good to see him on the field. <laughs> I love this, man. These little jabs, you know, there's been a couple that Dan let slip out the other day. He says, we're going to win, you know, and you got some of these players. I, I just, just imagine if a little bit's getting out to the media, imagine what they're saying in the locker rooms. You know what I'm saying? These guys are ready to destroy each other. Oh, yeah, without
5: a doubt, Shane. So the final clip that I've got here, these are two Florida defenders. Uh, I apologize. I'm not quite sure who these two players are. I just have the audio clip here. But they are also talking about Jared Williams, Shane. And this final clip, so, like I said, there's two here, but this the second one is my favorite.
7: Preparing for a guy that you've never seen play, but um, I heard that he's a pretty good quarterback, but he's also young, so we can we, we can try to use that to our advantage. Um, I know as a young person it might be tough to play, and definitely at quarterback, so that's something we, we're going to try to put some pressure on him there.
0: I mean, he's going against a team that brings a lot of pressure, so hope he's ready. That's all I'm going to say.
5: All right, Shane. So they're coming for Jaron Williams. Just, I mean, like I said, Grantham kind of let it. I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if you want to call it a slip because that's what he's known for is just bringing, bringing the heat. And they plan on bringing it unless they're bluffing here. And I, I think with a first-time quarterback, they certainly are. So the biggest question: What can Jaron Williams do when facing some heat? Uh, we unfortunately we ha- we have no answer to that till we see it.
6: No, I can't wait to put my foot in your face, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is so this is so good. I'm, just, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, though, Mike, I, I thought that we had a couple like a little no name games, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That we could just like just something a little football to this. So not only we got to wait till this Saturday, but now we got to wait till the evening to watch the damn game
5: yeah i think you took off work just for this one right shane and yeah I did. it sounds like you could have went in and still caught the game
6: i could have absolutely so yeah i'm still pumped up don't get me wrong i'm ready
5: <laughs> <laughs> all right shane so that's all the news i got on this episode you got anything before we hop off here yeah but i got a couple of
1: reviews
5: all right let's hit them let's do it
6: Honestly, we got a couple of ghost reviews, so I appreciate whoever left those, a uh, man or a woman. Um, we did get a couple of written reviews on iTunes, and of course, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us, but the ones that took that step further to, to get on iTunes to give us a five star rating that really helps us out. This one comes from a Midnight Rider 007. Mm-hmm. It's titled Five Star from a Coxman. <laughs> Just <laughs> five star just joined this week guys and i've been binge listening catching up over the summer fantastic and unbiased coverage we know the importance of balance and you sirs know my cleach enjoy it guys do you uh do you all do predictions for the upcoming season or i have i missed it alan in south carolina alan from south carolina i appreciate you yeah, yeah, we, appreciate, we appreciate that. Uh, our official
5: predictions podcast was, if you go through our feed, we obviously have uh, four days of coverage from SEC Media Days when I was down there. Uh, but the one leading up to that uh, should have our official predictions for the season. Both Shane and I, we each did our own. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you go back and listen to that, you'll find that coverage.
6: Absolutely. Mike's pretty high on them Gamecocks, but okay. Number <laughs> two. <laughs> This one comes from G2181 great show five star a podcast so good i had to steal my daughter's phone to leave a second five star (laughs) review go dogs now that's the hustle i'm talking about mike right there buddy
5: yeah appreciate you g we appreciate that that's i mean that's true fandom right there so that's why we bring you this content so that uh, you'll steal your child's phone and leave us a five star heart i mean that that especially goes a long way in our hearts
6: absolutely that's deep man i'm I'm tearing
5: up mike (laughs) all right shane i think that'll do it for this one uh thank you for joining me as always thank you everyone for tuning in we'll catch you on the next one
6: all right see you guys go balls.
5: Um Welcome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I'm forgetting my lines here.